Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Elseworlds Exchange. I'm Sal. I am Joel, and I'm I'm glad you're letting me in now. Before it was always you would do the full intro, but now it's like okay, gotta let Joel in now. There's a lot. Well, usually there's a there's a significant pause, and so I'm like, no time, no time for breaks. We gotta <laughs> we gotta we gotta get this show going. We gotta get this on the road, man. We are professionals. We have money to make and many important deals to pen, and we can't be waiting. It's true. It's true. Uh, so today's topic, we're going to be talking about superhero bromances. We're going to be talking about the like the 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 odd couples or the the the, the team ups, the pairings, the the, the mm -hmm. dynamic duos of comic it's a, books. It's, it's a good topic, and it's a nice uh, sequel to our comic book romances one that we did uh, back during Valentine's Day. Exactly. Now this doesn't necessarily mean same sex romances. It's simply means power couples as far as like team ups and friendships go they're um, bros they're buds they're broskies and, and i was thinking about this before we started you know bromance obviously you know with a name like that you would assume well, okay it's between two guys what would you call like a co-ed bromance or a bromance between two women is that is that like a bff ship is i don't that know what I, that's I was called? gonna say a fem ship but i would guess it's something less derogatory i'm sure there's a real term <laughs> I'm sure cismance sounds wrong to me. BFF sounds right to me. Yeah, yeah. I, maybe a womance. Womance, yeah, womance. That's fine. <laughs> that's fine. I, I could dig with womance. Right. I mean, we'll stick with that. Maybe in the next, uh, the, the the sequel, the third chapter in the in the in, in the couples uh, trilogy. Trilogy. We'll do the womances for. Uh... It's, it's like the blood and ice cream trilogy. It's true. Uh, so, all right. The, the we we have a comprehensive list, I'm sure, but. Let's just talk about our favorites for now, and then we'll just sure. try and attack a couple other ones. Um, the first one that I thought of when we when we were talking about this, uh, someone actually on Twitter was like, when are you going to do the bromance episode? And we're like, how about Today, now? Today, I guess. <laughs> the, <laughs> because for, for those wanting to peek behind the curtain, for those wondering how we pick our topics for Elseworlds Exchange, sometimes we pick them out weeks in advance. Other times it's like, uh. What do we want to do today, man? Um, well, someone on Twitter mentioned this. Well, I guess we're doing it then. <laughs> yeah, sometimes there's really good uh, ideas that come out pretty much daily if they use the hashtag Elseworlds Exchange. They just let us know what the topic they want to see is. And I will draw from there because we always talk about writing them all down and we never freaking we do. We never ever. We have so many great ideas while we're doing this show and then when it actually comes time to record it, we got nothing. Well, because it's, it, it's tricky to find them. You know, like I don't remember when we actually mentioned it during the show. So I'm like, okay, I got to watch the episode True. and find where we had an idea. If I remember that we had a great idea, that one. We, we really need sticky notes is what we need. We need to put a bunch of sticky notes up on the wall. And be like, okay, what did we say last week? It's true. I like that idea. Yeah. I don't have anything like that. I'm going to do that. Who buys sticky notes anymore in the days of notepad when you can write everything on your phone and your device? Right? I do like sticky notes. I have I, I have them, but they're on a different desk. Do, do, do you have the multicolored sticky notes that are fragrant and smell of strawberries oh, and other no. things that you can put everywhere? I have the yellow ones that look like American cheese oh. slices. <laughs> So uh, the first worst one I sandwich of, ever, right? Exactly. When we were talking about bromances, the initial one—I don't know if it was—I was actually going to make this the cover of the episode, and then I thought, like, I don't know if that would really reach everybody. So, but I will say, Booster Gold and Blue Beetle for me. Yeah, that's definitely the big one. That's one of the big DC ones for sure. Yeah, uh, I, as a kid growing up, never really understood or liked Booster Gold. And Blue Beetle appealed to me, 
but he was always tied with that annoying booster gold guy, so I never really got a chance. Ted Cord, we want to stress. This is Ted Cord uh, Blue Yes, uh, yeah, exactly. Not, not, not Jaime, not the first one. It was was really, was Booster ever friends with Jaime and the others? <laughs> I, I, I think they hung out for a little bit. I think they had a big torch passing issue Okay. for, for Ted and Jaime. And it's like, look, you are you are now the new Blue Beetle. I give you my blessing. Right. And I, and I give you Booster, I guess, too. He's your problem now. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I, I remember reading about them in uh, Justice League International. Yep, that's the and, one. Uh, the Kevin Maguire drawn series, because that dude mm-hmm. pioneered the, the that artist. If you're not familiar with Kevin Maguire, he's the guy who drew the Batman Guy Gardner one punch scene, amongst which, other things. Which is a great scene, amazing scene. It was immortalized in Batman Brave and the Bold. Believe it or not, there's actually a moment in that cartoon in which Batman socks Guy Gardner in the face, knocks him out, and unfortunately, I think Booster Gold is the one who cackles and says one punch but in the cartoon mm-hmm. they give it to uh chip the uh green lantern squirrel ah, i was gonna say it's still not quite as good as a uh, guy gardner putting his ass cheeks on the outside of the watchtower that's yes. still probably got to be my favorite guy gardner it's pretty amazing home. yeah that, that i for me well that's a that's a pro guy gardner moment which yeah really not an anti <laughs> no as as a few as they are um, but yeah, my experience is just with Justice League International and those two kind of like messing around, like almost like they kind of snuck in like the class clowns mm. of the Justice League. Totally, totally. That's a perfect way to put it. Yeah. I, I the, love their pairings. And as I get older, I'm like, I want to know more about that. It, that duo. it feels very sitcom in a good way. Cause it's like Ted Cord always seemed to be short on funds and short on money. And booster gold always had a get rich quick scheme. He was like their Kramer. He would come in <laughs> and be like, Hey Ted, what are we doing today? Yeah. I got a great idea. It's a superhero, but it's only from the costume. Like it's a coffee table a great... book about coffee tables. We're, we're, we're going to sell hats. Okay. We're going to sell mink hats. Only they're not mink. They're made of rats. They're made of rats. <laughs> That's not going to be good for anybody. <laughs> no, um, it's not. <laughs> I like I like that team. I, I like their visual. I always like because they. You know what's funny? They have no powers. Yeah, it's just two regular folks in suits. In suits, and for me, Ted Cord always appealed to me. He like as far as like oh a smart like a nerd in a super suit, and he uses technology to enhance his his his, his endeavors. Um, it's so simple and yet so perfect. Yeah. I didn't really get warmed up for Brewster Gold until 52. 52, I'm like, oh, this this son of a bitch stepped the fuck up. He, he's good in there, and he's really good in the greatest story never told from yes. uh, Justice League. When they literally give him his own episode to be like, hey, isn't this guy great? That was a great episode. That's That whole series is freaking spectacular. Every episode is pretty much a 10 and can be rewatched over and over it again. It really is. And it's funny because like if you have a favorite character, especially if they're in the top seven, you're kind of like... Okay, like I'm only gonna cherry pick the episodes of Justice League, but then once you've exhausted them, then you go back and it's like there's lost episodes like that one, it's like, true. like the Shining Knight episode. Like there's so okay. many. The, the, that whole one was Shining Knight and Vigilante and Green Air, and like the second stringer saved the day exactly. from General Eiling. How cool! Loved it. And, and the kids at the end are like, "Dude, freaking how awesome is Shining Knight yes. and Vigilante?" I'm like, said no one ever. <laughs> and I'm sure the writers in their writer room were like, "Yes, yes, we have done good here today. Yes, yes. we have done we have done good today. We have we have we, done the Lord's work. Yeah, we've saved to we've saved uh, Vigilante and and Shining Knight for the children." The, 
That, that, thank you, Batpand, in the chat, saying Sal and Joel is the best comic bro. Oh, I like that a lot. That works for me. See, I see. I knew someone was going to say that, and I had to give him credit because he said it first. Yes. Um, Bearded Ninja also mentions Ethan and Sal side bro side couch bromance. That's true. <laughs> yeah. I, I buy that. Um, the uh, another one is it's it's the the cover of this episode is Power Man and Iron Fist. Uh, I mean, how can you not? I mean, Luke Cage and Danny, they got a book again now. They're going to get a TV show. If if people outside the comic fandom don't know about their bromance, they will very, very soon. Exactly. It, the, it actually, it's one of uh, it's one of the really long-standing bromances where they had their own freaking book together. Yeah. You know, and they... It's funny because it's an odd pairing if you look at it from the perspective of someone who was born in the '90s. But if you look at it from the '70s, mm-hmm. and you think of like the black exploitation and kung fu movie genres, and how like mm-hmm. the there was kind of a combination of those two subgenres, it's why like Black Dynamite is a character. Absolutely, absolutely, it's a reason. You know, like you got The Last Dragon or Dragon of Harlem or whatever, because those movies. Kung Fu movies and black exploitation movies would always be po- uh, played back to back in the same theaters, and the themes are often, you know, very the same. It's all about toppling the man, man. Exactly. Uh, so why not represent that very, very specific niche in your comic books? Yeah. But you know what? It works really well. So much so that after Jessica Jones has her baby, they named it Danielle after Aww. Danny Rand. Aww. Also, uh, also, how cool is it? Interracial bromance, which, uh, which there's a couple, which, you know, there's a couple throughout comics, which I think is great. It's true. It's true. But this is one Can- of those ones that's been around for a while. It wasn't, it doesn't feel like it was deliberately PC or made to do an agenda. It was just, no, these are the characters. There's, here's our Kung Fu guy. And here's, I get in Marvel's purview. They're like, here's the African-American character. Like, here's our shaft guy. And know, it's, here's our shaft. Yeah, exactly. And it's maintained for so many years, which I think, you know, speaks to its power and its strength that it's still going on and still feels you know fresh and cool i love what they're doing in the new book now which issue two came out today as we record this yes where danny is just so this nerd was like hey so we're back together right luke we're, we're back together we can start being the heroes for hire again it looks like <laughs> I, I got a family i got a kid yeah I, I was running an avengers team for a bit i can't i can't just hang out with you like it's the 70s right I have, a, I have a daughter now i can't be hanging out with you all the time and Danny's like, sad. come on, come on. And yeah. like, that's the thing. Like, he's the friend who got left behind is the thing. He's like, why, why, why don't we hang out anymore, man? Yeah. It's like, we were hanging. We almost started hanging out in New Avengers, but then uh, the Ancient One came back to life and attacked us. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, then it turned out to be Brother Voodoo's brother or whatever. It's weird. Brother Voodoo's brother who's making trouble yet again in Uncanny Avengers as it stands right now. Of course now. he is. That's Jericho, I think. Oh, is that his name? See, I, I, did, I didn't I didn't, didn't Google check it right away, so I'm like, Brother Voodoo's brother. Yeah, Brother Voodoo's spiritual brother. I don't, I think it's Jericho, and I yeah, only he, know that from the new Avengers book. Yeah, he was he was yelling at Voodoo like, hey, I want to live again. Being a ghost sucks, and Voodoo's like, I can't help you. He was like, but you helped Quicksilver. You brought him back to life when he almost died. He's like, yeah, but you're also really annoying. But then again, yeah. so is Quicksilver, so I guess you got me there. <laughs> <laughs> and Brother Voodoo's like, I will go into the background and stop doing things in this book for arcs at a time. Yes, for totals, yeah, sweeping periods in time. No one knows what to do with Brother Voodoo, do they? He's got a cool name and a cool costume, but no one knows what to do with him. Nope, occasionally they'll make him Sorcerer Supreme, and then they'll take it away from him. <laughs> take it away from him. But yeah, bromances. You know who doesn't have a bromance? 
brother voodoo and his brother. I mean, like they're technically a, like the the original bromance. Like <laughs> they are literally brothers, and yet they don't get along. No, it's true. Um, here's a bromance that is outside of the big two, but it's a huge bromance that it was almost once again another one that was almost the cover for this video and i'm sure i'm going to change it over time but like this one is uh, quantum and woody from valiant mm, it's a team yeah. that i remember from the 90s 1998 97 uh they were this idea of like a humor book that didn't take itself too seriously but the art was really solid and it looked really cool and it's just about this pairing of dudes and they hung out and you know kicked ass i guess i remember being kind of confounded by the pair back in the day um but i i love that valiant kind of went hey you know what let's bring him back let's bring him back and let's do it in a big bad way uh and such that quantum and woody have kind of become in the forefront for valiant a little bit at least mm. from what i've noticed i've noticed that they're not they're not shying away from it they're like yeah here I we go I've read so little Valiant. I wish I could get in on this conversation, oh, but I'm sorry. Just like, but I'm just like, I'll take your word for it. It Trust sounds me. cool. It's it's for me. It felt a little bit like the Tick, but without mm -hmm. the superhero parody. It's more like uh -huh. the same style of humor, but it, but if they were really superheroes that didn't have like the biggest powers, but also, you know, tried to like they didn't. They weren't surrounded by heroes. It was just them. Of course. <laughs> It was like it was a fun book. I, I just like them. It's more like if I were to throw them into like the the top ten in any way, it, I wouldn't necessarily even put place them, but I do an honorary mention. You know, right. I'd be like, hey, and don't forget Quantum and Woody. Although I don't have a lot of of, of stuff for them. <laughs> uh, another great one, and one that I you just know I would have to bring up at some point. Uh, Green Arrow, Green Lantern. Of course, Green Arrow, Green Lantern. Another pairing that had their own book. Um, yep. Now, is, was it the idea that they just both had green in their titles and then they made them work? Or were there personality traits that made that pairing kind of like a no-brainer? I, I would not be surprised if it was the green thing and they wrote more interesting. Like, you know, Neil Adams and Denny O'Neill wrote more interesting stuff for them later once they got thrown together. Yeah. I, uh, I just picked up the, like, DC just reprinted, like, a big collection of Green Arrow, Green Lantern. From, I know they from did. It's on my list to pick up. I was just looking at it in the bookstore. Yes, we still occasionally have bookstores, <laughs> and I will use it deliberately to do back issues. I'll be like, oh, grab. Uh, it's really solid. Yeah, it is. It's just such it a solid run. It holds up. It holds up. It's For me, it holds up as almost as well as the Neil Adams Batman run. Like, it's yeah. just... It's almost timeless, except it's also cemented in the time from which it came. Very, very 60s, yeah. But the fact is, it's so good that it becomes timeless because, like, it's a great snapshot of that time period and could be translatable today. Mm -hmm. But what's great about the Ollie Hal relationship and what they would write for it is how, you know, here you had two people with vastly different political ideologies, you know, how the clean cut, square jaw, G.I. Joe flight pilot yep. and, you know, Green Arrow, the liberal voice of the people, voice of the populace, everything, trying to right the wrongs of uh, society and everything. Exactly. And how they play off each other. And it's this great message that you see so little in media where it's like, yes, even though we disagree immensely on different social issues, we are still friends yeah. at the end of the day. It's true. Uh, I think that's very refreshing. It is totally – it is completely refreshing. It's completely uh, – it's genuine. 
Yeah. They, they they may have been like, no, they both have green in the title. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but from there they built something beautiful. Yeah, out. they were. It's almost like for me, it's it's why I love. It's it's part of why I love editorial uh, influence, but why I hate it at the same time. Like I hate too much editorial influence, but I like when they're like, here are the parameters from which you may create. Not write this story I want, but rather here's the box I want you to fit in. And mm. they're like, crap. I guess I'll put Green Arrow and Green Lantern together, but <laughs> let's make music out of it. Let's make it really yeah. cool and and and, t- and talk about race and class and yeah. like politics and oh yeah and and re- and build a friendship out of it, such that like we're almost we're almost at the point where we're gonna do zero hour on back issues. And there's a huge element of the Green Arrow Green Lantern pair. Oh yes, with that. And for for I think for DC back then they were like, this is the culmination. Thankfully it wasn't, but they're not really doing much with them now, even though they're both still around. They, they, they broke Ollie up from all of his most important relationships. Speedy doesn't get to be his sidekick anymore. Uh, Black Canary doesn't get to be his girlfriend anymore. Uh, they had one issue written by the stupid Arrow TV show yes. writers that teamed up Hal and Green Arrow, even though supposedly Hal wasn't even supposed to be on Earth at yes, that time. Yes, we reviewed that on Off the Rack, and it was really weird. Because <laughs> they, I, I, it must have been an anniversary or something. It must have been close to like the hard traveling heroes anniversary. Yeah. So like, oh, we got to put these two together, even though it makes literally no sense. Even though these characters haven't shared like any, any dialogue with each other since the beginning of the New Fifty Two. Yeah, yeah. What, what's even weirder is, do you remember the very short lived Jeff Johns Justice League of America where Green Arrow was a member? Yeah, I remember that. When that series was winding down after a crap ton of delays uh, following Forever Evil, there was a bit there where it's like, well, hey, let's hint at the idea that Green Arrow might team up with Baz the Green Lantern and they'll go and they'll do hard travel and hero stuff. Only here's the thing, though. Baz showed up to that book late, like five issues late into its run. And by the time he got there, even though he was all over the promotional material, it was boom, forever evil, then boom, the comic was over and they never went back to it ever again. Amazing. It's just hilarious to be like, you know, there's more of a precedent for Green Arrow and Baz to be friends yeah, in the true. new 52 than there is for Ollie and Hal to be friends. That's true. Hopefully with Rebirth, we'll see a rebirth of that pairing because... I feel like people need more, like, especially now. And, like, if it was a reflection of political times back during Hard Traveling Heroes. Yeah, really. What a great opportunity now to be telling some, like, politically charged, uh, social justice warrior kind of stuff with those that's, two characters. That's why I really like what Benjamin Percy has done with the book currently, because he's given Ollie his politics back for the first time. That character is defined by his political yes, leanings. You need with, to without it, he, he is a poor man's Batman yeah. without his politics. He's just a Batman with arrows. That's kind of weak. He's got an arrow cave and an arrow signal and everything. He <laughs> he needs to have those things. And that's why I'm glad that, like, in Benjamin Percy's first arc, he sets him up against, like, these evil Westboro Baptist church guys who yes, are going out committing perfect. hate crimes. And I'm like, yes, thank you. These are the sort of villains he should be fighting. Yes. Uh, now, I have a pairing that I think Faust will be happy to hear about, and that's Superboy, Connor Kent, and mm-hmm. Tim Drake Robin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This yeah. is a, this is a bromance that I did not expect. I remember, like when uh, when Reign of the Superman started and Superboy was becoming prevalent and popular, and they were really pushing him. I remember thinking to myself, like I remember never thinking, "Oh, Superboy and Robin, they should hang out and do stuff." Never put that together. And in fact, they didn't really push that until well down the line. 
It's, uh, well, it's funny because it kind of seems cliche at first where it's like, why? Because Superman and Batman are friends. Their sidekicks have to be friends. And yet their relationship is totally different. Totally different relationship. Clark's. They have totally different origins. They have very different. Theirs is a much uh, more friendly partnership. Batman and Superman yeah. are more of a byproduct of the like necessity. Whereas Tim Drake and Superboy kind of just are buddies. Like they just they became friends out of their connection to the to the Young Justice Teen Titans. Kind totally, of thing, which I thought was really cool. And you know, another thing that I wouldn't say they were bros, but while we're on the subject of sidekicks, uh, Dick Grayson and Roy Harper and the yes. relationship they have together, where it's like you know. One is kind of the good sidekick, you know, he's the good son, he's the one who does everything right, you know, he's the one in line to inherit the family business, mm -hmm. and the other one's like, well, yeah, I've, I've kind of been a screw-up in my life, you know, I've, I've always kind of been the bad son, you know, the yeah. one who get, gets kicked out, I, I kind of want to be more like you is the thing, and yet I see a lot of myself in the other guy and vice versa, they have a very interesting relationship. It's true, that's really cool, it's a good observation. It is good. J Judd Winnick really covered that a lot. Oh, you know, whenever good. and whenever people really want to get under Roy's skin, it's like, guess what? You'll never be as good as Dick Grayson. <laughs> and that like, like I really, know. <laughs> and that really freaks him out. And like during the times when he's run his own Teen Titans team, that's that's always what people say. It's like, oh, you know, there's there's Roy trying to be Dick again, trying to live up to him. And he's like, no, I'm different. I'm different. I I can lead a team. Yeah, I, I, I'm not a sidekick. We, we were partners, Ollie and me. It was supposed to be a partnership of equals. I always love that distinction that he has where he's like, no, 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 I was never a sidekick. He is my partner. We work together. Yeah, that's and, the thing. And the whole world that. is like, come on, man. No, you were a sidekick. I, I like they carry that over into Young Justice, too, that kind of righteous yeah. indignation of his. Yeah, it's true. Uh, but man, that, that line he delivers in that first episode when Aquaman's like, hey, son, calm down. It's like, I'm not your son. I'm not even his. Yeah, don't. <laughs> and I'm just like, whoa, where, you know, Dick Grayson's where it's like, but I love Bat Dad, though. Yeah. It's funny. I was just watching uh, Batman Bad Romance. Mm. It's terrible. But, like, uh, there's there's that whole, like, I don't want to be in Batman's shadow, even though there's really barely even a scene in which I become Batman and I really begrudgingly do it. Like, it's just so stupid. I remember being oh, like, oh, 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 bad blood, not bad romance. I'm like the Lady Gaga song. They oh no, that into I'm thinking of bad blood, the Taylor Swift song. Oh, okay, just making sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but bad blood is not great. Bad, bad. There's a lot wrong with bad blood. There's a lot wrong with that. We did. A there's a lot lo wrong with DC animation in general after Flashpoint Paradox. It's true. That was. It was almost like when 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 Barry came back, he brought this new, this new shit. This, <laughs> this new crappier we're not really basing it on anything anymore we're just kind of picking and choosing man does luke fox get screwed over in that movie yes he does at least he's luke, in it but at the same time like he's, he's the car like, he's like yeah, basically and, the batmobile <laughs> and he's nothing like his comic counterpart like when jimmy palmiotti took over that book yeah. i don't know if you read it it's really good yeah i did not read uh batwing Batwing should have been so much better. I, I bet if you picked up Batwing, you can probably pick it up for really cheap now because oh, it's a canceled series. But man, was he writing some great stuff. It was basically like this is what Paul Miotti would do if you gave him a Spider-Man book. Aww. That's literally what it was. It was like, let's have a Batman character who has to deal with family and work and expectations and everything and also trying to be a Batman. And it was placed in such an interesting time in Batman history because Damien had just died. Right. Oh, that's a cool... 
that's a cool period because it's also a very small short period in Batman's history. It is, and Batman kind of being like, "Well, look, you know, I got a lot of uh, what is it, fa- fatherly, you know, love and tendencies that aren't going anywhere like right now. How would you like to kind of be my new surrogate son?" But with the extra caveat of, oh, but you have a dad, though, and a mom. Don't, don't let your dad, Lucius Fox, know, because if he knows that I've taken his son and let him join my <laughs> war on crime, he's going to be really pissed. He won't make anything for me anymore. Yeah, he won't make me shiny toys anymore, so don't do that. Exactly. <laughs> it, um, it was a really interesting dynamic that didn't last, and now he's not a hero anymore. I, I haven't been reading the Batgirl book, but I know they were trying to set Luke Fox up it's as really, a love interest. It, it, minus they are suit. doing that, and it's really not a great book. No, it's not. I, I stuck with that one for multiple arcs. And I'm like, well, may, maybe it'll, you know, maybe I'll love it. No, well, I don't. Okay, well, maybe maybe there's another audience for it. Okay, now it's just not so good. I, I wanted to like it. Me too. I wanted to love it so bad. And I like the I, art I, more than I like the book. Same. Yeah. Uh, but bromances, though. But bromances, though, right? Um, here's a team that I kind of find fun. Uh, and I'm sure you, actually, this is probably your pick, so I, won't, I don't want to step on it. So I'll let you uh, I'll let you take over, but like, I'll I'll pick another random one. Uh, no, no, just say it anyway, and then we'll right. just talk from it's, it. It's uh, it's Cable and Deadpool. Oh yeah, Cable and Gibbon. No, I, I don't know why Cable and Deadpool would be mine specifically. Uh, you seem to you, you well, you probably read more of it than I did. I honestly didn't, man. I'm a late in life Deadpool convert. I just started reading with the Jerry Duggan run. If That's you can fair. It. Uh, I like their pairing because. They're both products of their time, and they're both kind of characters. For me, they're characters out of time. Like, they're characters that belong in 1996. Sometimes quite literally out of time with all the time travel stories. With all the time travel. uh, And it's it's funny because, like, Cable represents this very, very take-me-seriously, like, period in in, in comics. And Deadpool represents the, like, we can have fun with our violence like, I want it's to indulge the, in our worst aspects kind of it's character. It's the ultimate comedy straight man and comedy manic man relationship. It's true. Uh, yeah, I feel like that pairing, while it's not... You know, Cable kind of begrudgingly deals with Deadpool. Mm-hmm. And Deadpool kind of like... I don't know what how he sees Cable, though. If he sees him as, like, a brother or as, like, a father character, because Cable's, like, old. So much older, yeah. Yeah, I, but I... I like, Maybe he just sees him as a guy who will put up with his shit more than I mean. Before. You know what's funny? Like everybody puts up with his shit though. Like anytime they they could do a Cap Deadpool book, they could do a, they do the Spider Man Deadpool book, they could do like really any character would put up with Deadpool. Well, I mean, geez, how many like a, a, how many special tie in miniseries? Deadpool and Carnage, Deadpool and Hawkeye, Deadpool and Gambit is going to be coming out. Oh, soon. finally, that's a pairing I've always wanted. The, to see. the book long awaited, Deadpool and Gambit. Now that said, I did like Deadpool and Hawkeye. That seemed to be fun. I didn't read it, but it it's, seemed interesting because they kept really it back in other stuff. It was a really solid book, but they also didn't like betray anybody's character by making Hawkeye somebody else. Like that's that is as close to like fractions Hawkeye as you can as it's, you can it, get without it's getting true. It. It's like Hawkeye's a funny character too as a fraction, but not funny. Haha. No. His he the humor comes from his he's situational comedy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Any what 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 about you? Anybody from your? Uh... Uh, well, I mean, obviously they got movies coming out very soon, so we'll have to talk about 
Captain America and his many bromances, oh. and he's had quite a few. It's true. Uh, let's go with him and Falcon. Because... Falcon, oh man, so, like heavily played up in the comics, then it went away. Yep. But now it's back with a vengeance because of Anthony Mackie and Chris Evans in the movie. It's true. I I will say though, uh, we got. I think we really owe a lot to Brubaker making totally. Falcon into a <coughs> making Falcon into a like major supporting character in the cap books during mm -hmm. making him cool again making him cool despite his ridiculous costume it's true it's true i'm always reminded of that robot chicken you may have wanted tracy morgan but you got the falcon you got the falcon and it's like no falcon's cool like you don't have to make fun of falcon <laughs> come on guys come on and it's funny because <laughs> i remember somebody posting an image from like an old 70s book of cap and falcon like bedding down for the evening and Fal and, and and Cap kind of like trying to commiserate with Falcon and Falcon being like, you don't know shit, man. You don't know how, <laughs> you know how I live. And Cap's like, fair enough. <laughs> You're right. I don't. I was frozen in the 40s. Exactly. And it's like why Falcon gives Cap kind of a pass. Like, he's just like, yo, man, you missed it. I get it. Yeah. You did. You you missed a lot of You're stuff. You're the only one who doesn't, who doesn't have something coming to him. Like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're the only one I give a pass because you literally have an excuse for it. It's like it's like Cap gets unfrozen and he looks at the civil rights moon. He's like, "By Jove, that was that was something." Yeah, he's like, "Wow, I'm I'm sorry it took so long." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you know that if like he had the chance, Cap Steve Rogers would totally be on the front line of that. He would be oh, like, "Yeah, you guys, yeah." There's an amazing book. I I don't remember what it's. It, uh... I don't remember what it's called right off the top of my head, but it's a, it's a Captain America miniseries written by Mark Wade, in which it's a retelling of Cap's origin. But in this one, he wakes up in like kind of today's it, it, mm. whatever. It's the it's it's the proto Mar it's the like sixties Marvel universe, but like updated. Right. Uh, so right. it's not ultimate, but it's also like yeah, no, like when it's the Fantastic close. Four were formed, it was a couple of years ago, um, and like Cap joins the Avengers and he goes on adventures, but he still wants to go home. Yeah. And Reed basically says like, I have a time machine. You could go home right now. <laughs> and Cap's like, great. <laughs> and, uh, but then he's like, no, you know what? Like if I didn't go back in time, like if I went back in time, I wouldn't be able to help the Avengers. And I, I, I have a lot, like, the president basically says, like, you gotta stay, man. You gotta, you gotta yeah. stay and do this work for me. America needs you. And, and Cap's like, Cap begrudgingly accepts, but then they fight Kang, and then Kang goes, like, get out of here, and he just sends him back. <laughs> of course. And it's cool, because, like, Cap has this experience of being in today, and then goes back to the 40s right when he left, and he just goes home, and he, like takes money out of the bank and he goes to like get food and he goes to like a ball game. And then there's like <laughs> the black section of the stands and cap sits in that section. Cause he knows Falcon and he has this connection where he's like, no, this is cool. But like the African-Americans who are in that section are really pissed off at him because they think he's making fun of them. Fun of them. Yeah. As you would. And you're like, wow, this is really freaking rough. And caps like, we're at this, I'm at this point where like my progressivism is contrary to the time from which I come like I am not yeah. helpful right now that's cool that's it, yeah wow eventually he just and he brilliantly gets out of it by writing Reed Richards a letter and putting it in a place where like now they'll he go knows look he'll for be. him in Avengers Mansion I'm like oh that's amazing that's, so basically Cap like, goes outside and then like, reads there with Doctor Doom's time machine like ready to go Cap <laughs> That's that's really cool because that's something you almost never see in time travel stories. This idea where it's like, you know what, some stuff is actually better in the future, and yes. we have actually made changes for good. And maybe it would be hard to go back. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Um, 
So anyway, yeah, Cap and uh, Falcon. I think that was cemented in the movie. The movie, I'll be honest, Winter Winter Soldier for me, like Anthony Mackie's Falcon might be a, the breakaway, my breakaway favorite character. He, he in kind Phase of is. Two. And the more stuff you see him in, it's hard not to like agree with it more and more. I I would have to imagine that if it wasn't for his great performance, maybe Falcon wouldn't have become the new Cap in the comics if he if his star wasn't huh. so on the rise. I think you're right about that. I think they might have con- they might have reconsidered the. Uh, they might have just been like, you know what? Let's make it Bucky again. Fuck it. Yeah. Hey, Bucky, come back. Uh, that said, do you think this is just totally off topic? But like, do you think they're gonna make Anthony Mackie into Cap one day? Uh, I mean, if Chris Evans is serious about not wanting to do any more movies and not just, you know, trying to negotiate a better deal out in public for himself, yeah. then maybe. I mean, people do seem to like him and they have a precedent in the comics and be like, hey, Anthony Mackie, how, how would you like to lead a movie now? Yeah, I think so. I, he's great. And also his enthusiasm is infectious. Like, Absolutely. He's excited to be a part of this franchise. He likes what he's doing. Super positive. I think he, I, I bet when they, when they wrapped shooting that scene at the end of Age of Ultron, where they're like, here are the new Avengers. They went, who wants to do a cameo in Ant-Man? And Anthony Mackie's like, ooh, I will do Ant-Man. And they're like, okay, you'll be the guy guarding the base in Ant-Man. <laughs> and he's like, woohoo. Okay, I don't care. I'll be in it. <laughs> Dude, I'll get the coffee if I have to. Just let me wear the costume. <laughs> exactly. Um, another bromance that I think, this is Marvel-centric as well, but like, the Human Torch and Ben Grimm. Human Torch and Ben Grimm, and also Human Torch and Spider-Man. Yeah. Human Torch and Spider-Man has been something similarly Daredevil and Spider-Man, um, but we'll get. I, 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 I don't think I see the Daredevil one quite as much as I, or I don't enjoy it quite as much as I enjoy Human Torch and Spider-Man. The Human Torch yeah. and Spider-Man one is like a big brother, little brother kind of. Yes, relationship. it is. Kind of like the Ben and the Ben and uh, and Johnny team up as well. Yeah, like he gets to be the one to be looked up to, where in the other way, it's the other way around. Exactly. Uh, I like their pairing. I like how they how they like. They're both kind of the jokesters of their teams, but they mm-hmm. also they're both have... younger, so you know they probably share a lot of the same experiences. It's true. Um, they're always they, yeah. There's always fun to be had between the two of them. There's also a a, a staunch rivalry between them. Totally. Is... Yeah. I mean, in the Ultimate Spider-Man video game, you had to race Johnny. Yes. Yeah. You had to race everybody in that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, that game was so fun if it weren't for the races. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Those They got really annoying by um, the end. But yeah, I love that pairing. Dan Slott, Spider-Man Human Torch. If you haven't read it, it's so great. It's Spider-Man and Human Torch's relationship through each period in each, like, point in their lives and it's Heck, even even dan slot gave the relationship a nice send-off in the newest issue where peter's like yes i bought the baxter building but only to keep it safe for you john and your family for when you're ready to come home and by come home i mean when you're no longer owned by fox yeah exactly i, I loved that moment that was the only good moment from that issue it was a very sweet man. And look, and I and I got Alicia Masters to commemorate a statue for you guys that'll be here in the in the front hall. I always feel bad because I'm like with Alicia. They're like, I got Alicia Masters. I'm like, is she still alive? Apparently, yes. Because <laughs> like they never use these. I feel bad whenever they never use these characters and they just reference them. And I'm like, did they even? Because I'm always worried when they don't use them after a couple of years. Like somebody just killed them off and they never thought about it. Like I'm surprised that they don't have like a list. 
or if they wouldn't have a list in their office of like everybody's dead or everybody that nobody's using. And then you just you grab would think them. in this day and age there'd be a database for it, right? You think it's a shared like on the Google Mar- Doc? Like, yeah, like on the Marvel computers, you open your Dropbox or your Drive and you look at it. Yeah, who's dead? Who who's who's dead? Who's slated to come back? And who uh, and who's just simply not in use right now? Yeah, who's in limbo? You just put big question marks next to that, right? Or it says like Fox, like just things people <laughs> you can't use. Or, or advised not to use, or can't be a seminal character in our events. They could do or, something. Or you can use, but you got to talk to X about it first. Right, like Magneto, I'll bet, is in the Fox section. You know, like, no, if you're not an X writer, and you want Magneto to do something cool... Forget l- it. Run, a, run it by us first. <laughs> yeah, really. Um, another team that I like, there's another non-DC and Marvel, is The Tick and Arthur. Ah, there you go. There's a really fun one. Those guys are amazing because they're also a metaphor for uh, closet homosexual romance. Yep, which you could argue is a lot of comic books and a lot of superheroes. It's true. Uh, That took me a while to get, but it's uh, it's apparent in the pilot episode of both Tick cartoon and live action shows. Tick is supposedly coming back, apparently, I'm sure you've heard. Yes, they're bringing the Tick back uh, on Amazon, and it's going to be live action, which uh, I never liked the first live action show, so that doesn't that doesn't excite me at all. But Patrick Warburton, though, putty from Seinfeld. He's great, and you know what? He did a pretty good job with the Tick. I just didn't like that show. I just couldn't yeah, get I into agree. it. Yeah, I agree. I liked the cartoon dark. better. I felt like it was too dark, and the Tick didn't hold like Warburton's tick wasn't even close to Townsend Coleman's or, or whatever the hell his name was, but the original like animated tick, it, it really should have been another cartoon. Do, do what cartoon network is doing now. Bring it back as 11 minute segments on adult swim. That'd be great. That'd be great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Using like the same animation team that does uh, venture brothers. Exactly. Bring it back for 11 minutes and, you know, make it. Now would be the perfect time for it because superheroes have invaded every facet of culture. The Tick at its time, the Tick cartoon was actually way ahead of its time making fun of the X-Men Batman cartoon explosion that was happening at that time. Imagine to do a new cartoon now. Yes. It's amazing because they made similar jokes to what they would do today. I know. But like, and it's amazing also because they're like, yeah, we're making animated cartoons for superhero, like super, like, Spider-Man, Fantastic Four, Iron Man, the X-Men, uh, the Tick. You know, sure, whatever, whatever they want. And it's like, yeah, the, no, the Tick is a parody, though. It's yeah. like, it's like, it's like having a, it's like Turner Classic Movies being like, we're gonna show a bunch of westerns like Tombstone and Unforgiven and and Blazing Saddles, and it's like, <laughs> one of them's a parody of you, though. Yeah, wait, that last one though, how'd that one get yeah, in there? It, it is technically a western in that it takes place in the West, and they are cowboys in it, but they're making fun of you. You know, like yeah. that's not a th- the the tick is not necessarily a superhero. S- same uh, same with Darkwing Duck from the same era, Darkwing where it's like, Duck. wow, you, you're parodying this as it's going on. Yeah, it was amazing to have Darkwing Duck come out during Batman the animated series. It really was. I remember when they did their big uh, like Days of Future Past, Dark Knight Returns, alternate universe look at Darkwing Duck when it's like, oh yeah, he called himself Dark Warrior Duck and his thing was covered in spikes and everything. And I'm like, this this is too real, man. This is too current right now. It's true. They were really aware of they were really aware of the trends and what was happening in They were really aware. Go watch that episode, everyone. You look at that and you're like, whoa. Wow. These guys are really aware of what's happening. They, well, they were they, they were on the money. 
similarly, just like that amazing seminal series, Kingdom Come, the original one, no, no, The Kingdom, or any of that crap, just Kingdom Come is an amazing reaction to the image invasion, and like, gritty mm. superheroes, like the Batman, Azrael stories, and Death of Superman, and like, Youngblood, and, and Spawn, and just to them being like, no, we, this is not the future. And, or at least them saying it kind of to themselves. Like, Mark Wade being like, this is, no, this is not the future. This not is if the I future. can help it, damn it. This is what the future will look like if we all embrace this crap. And it's like, right on, man. Way to do, be aware uh, do... of, because, like, I was not aware of it. Like, as a kid, I was like, cool, new shit. Spawn. Same here, yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Took me a while. To, uh, to, to, to bring it back to the parody thing there, as we were mentioning, I'm sure, I'm sure you saw that great uh, Powerpuff Girls episode, and we were talking about that before we started. Uh, where they all tried out different outfits and tried to be different heroes. So Blossom became like a Liberty Lass, which was like a Captain America meets yep. Superman type deal. And Buttercup becomes Mange, which is literally just Spawn. She literally became Spawn. That blew my mind. I'm like, wow. Now, when they're when they're comparing the powers, it's like, yeah, well, guess what? Mange has scabs that never heal. And they're like, ugh. <laughs> now that said, they also did that whole episode in which it was nothing but Beatles songs. Love that one. So that at that point, beat, I was beat, like... The Beat Alls was the title. The Beat Alls. And I was like, yeah, okay, I get this. But it's really... It was cool to know that they were reading comics at that time, going like, yeah. Yeah, let's make a Spawn joke in our Powerpuff Girls cartoon. Dude, not only that, they were making a joke about the emergence of manga and anime, because that's what Bubbles wanted to be. When yes. It's like, oh, so we can try out other stuff. It's like, hey, you guys know there's stuff outside the realm of superheroes. Everyone's like, shut up, Bubbles. Shut up, Bubbles. <laughs> <laughs> Comics forever. Manga will never take. Oh, look, it happened. It reminded me of uh, of in Strong Bad. Uh, remember HomestarRunner.com, everybody? Uh, in which, uh, what's it called? Strong Sad is like, are you talking about anime? And Strong Bad's like, it's called Japanimation. And I'm like, oh my god, I remember when they used to call it that. Because they were like, we, it was like Adult Swim or uh, Toonami was like, well, the Americans don't even know what they're supposed to be. So we can call it whatever we want. Like, <laughs> but back in the days of Ninja Scroll and other uh, poorly dubbed. And Vampire Hunter D. Ah, yes, the Vampire Hunter D, which, man, you look at Bloodborne, the character design in that, and you're like, wow, someone finally made a Vampire Hunter D game. It's about time. Yeah. Uh, as far as um, did Strongbow make a comeback, Nimrod? No. Uh, he made a video game, and then they did. that kind of reminded the brothers chaps to go get other jobs. <laughs> someone in the chat said Ninja Scroll was awful. No, you had to be there, man. Ninja Scroll was the coolest thing ever back in the day. Right. It had boobies and blood and decapitation. It was amazing back in the day. It's like it's funny because the stuff that was coming over here back then was not representative of the genre. No, it, it wasn't. But it informed the American cultural mindset of what it was. Yes, it and for me, it's also it was like um, uh, it was like R-rated movies, like. When I my first exposure to R-rated movies were like were movies like Terminator 2 and Aliens mm -hmm. and The Thing and I'm like yeah. I'm like oh yeah all R-rated movies 
have some kind of sci-fi angle, have a horror mm-hmm. element, mm-hmm. they curse like sailors, and there's a lot of murder and blood in it. Yeah, and it's so like, all anime, of course, has boobies and blood right, and, you like, know, heads getting knocked off and everything. Yeah, I had a friend who was, like, really sexually obsessed, and he was like, oh, like, any anime will have at least some boobs and blood in it, so cool. And I'm like, <laughs> no! <laughs> it, 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 I'm trying to imagine if, what if the cultural exane exchange was the other way around? Like, you know, what if you sent over to Japan... Only Texas Chainsaw Massacre, right? And, like, and only Cannibal Holocaust. They only got, or they only got the slasher film, where they're yeah. like, yeah, no, super, like, yeah, mo- American movies. Someone always has to die, and they're killed by a maniac in a mask. In a mask, always, always, always. Yeah. Uh, okay, getting it back on topic. Uh, Man, you know it's a great bromance, Freddy and Jason from Freddy vs. Jason. Yeah, <laughs> there, that there's was a pretty bromance. good. It was pretty cool. The, the you know what sucks about that is that that was a no-brainer. That's another yes, one where it's like, how could you fuck that up? Like, Freddy versus Jason, at the end of whatever Friday the 13th or uh, Nightmare on Elm Street it was, where Fre- it's Freddy's dead, in which yeah, Freddy the dies. Clock comes up and... No, it was, it was, no, it was, it was Friday the 13th. Because then yeah, Jason it dies, he goes, it was Jason goes to hell. And yeah, then was... his mask hits, and then Freddy's hand pulls it in, and you're like, yes! A yes! stinger before stingers were even a thing. Yeah, and you're like, yes, that is happening. And then it doesn't happen until, like, until Scream ruins horror. And then, <laughs> and then they make this garbage movie that doesn't even work or make sense. It's stupid. I liked Freddy vs. Jason. It's it's a dumb time. There's a guy who's totally just a Jason Mewes ripoff in there. Yeah, just get Jason Mewes, man. I I couldn't believe that. I'm like, was Jason Mewes busy at the time? Yeah, you couldn't have gotten the real. Not. <laughs> um, but yeah, as far as bromances go, uh, another one that I'm gonna throw out there. Uh, Wonder no, um, Spider-Man Wolverine. Yeah, there's another good one there. You, of course, did the Jason Aaron story from back in the day. Astonishing Spider-Man Wolverine. See, these two hate each other. (laughs) But in that story, they finally learn, like, their own, each other's strengths and become friends. And it's like, or at least become respected colleagues. Yeah. And I really like that. I really like that. Wolverine's had a lot of broing around with people too. You could also say Wolverine Nightcrawler oh, is that's like one. when it, like when both those characters died, you're like, oh, like each other was like when Wolverine died, you're like, man, what's Nightcrawler's perspective? When when Nightcrawler died, you're like, man, what's Wolverine's perspective? Those they two- had a whole issue devoted to Nightcrawler dealing with Wolverine's death, and it was really sweet and really wonderful. And he goes out at night and he lights a candle for him. Yes, it's it, yeah, I remember that issue. That was a solid issue. Which it's um, funny because they like literally stopped the arc that was going on. Yes. Like no 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 we need we need to have a whole issue devoted to how Nightcrawler is yeah, feeling. Exactly exactly we got we got and I'm like yeah. and I'm like you know what that's fair that's fair you do need that. And I never really got why they had a bromance like why what what Wolverine and Nightcrawler saw in each other. One was dark and serious. One was light and happy. They were the odd couple. Yeah, I guess that's what it was. But I always liked that Wolverine had this affinity for Kurt. I always thought that was cute. Maybe it's because he saw how Kurt was okay with himself and okay with all the horrible stuff that happened to him in his life. And Wolverine's like, I wish I could be okay with myself. Yeah, that could be. It could be like that. Yeah, Kurt lets Kurt lets a lot of the sh- like shit that Wolverine has gone through roll off his back, and he's like, I respect you, man. <laughs> I, you didn't let this ruin you, kind of like how I did. Exactly. Uh, as far as other bromances from the X Men go, how about Magneto and Charles Xavier? <laughs> Best friends, eternal enemies. You know, that's quite the thing, isn't it? Yeah, it's true. 
Uh, no one knows you quite like your best friend and who could become a better villain than your best friend. It's true. Uh, they I, they really hit that home in the first class movie, too. I think that's great, where they're just playing chess together. Honestly, I think they nailed it with the first X-Men movie. They did that, too. They nailed it right out of the gate. That, like, right out of the gate, I was like, wow! Uh, I remember them always saying they were friends. I never saw a better example of Chuck and uh, Eric being friends than those terrible Savage Land backups for the X-Men animated series. In I remember they, those, when they, he would lose his wheelchair and he would have to carry him around and they, stuff. Like, every, every episode of the X-Men for, like, an entire season, which was, like, 30 episodes, mm -hmm. was Chuck walking in his, like, army fatigues with Magneto in his full Magneto costume. Yep, I remember those. with their powers, which means Magneto is wearing, like, a hundred pounds of pounds shit. Pounds of crap, yeah. And them dealing with some element of the Savage Land, like, Charles, we have to traverse this river, or Charles, oh no, uh, what's his name? Uh, Sauron is here to d attack us. Not Sauron. Yeah, oh no, not Sauron. Not that weird pterodactyl man who sounds like a Lord of the Rings character. Yeah, yeah. I think he was named after Sauron from Lord of the Rings. I think that was the idea. You were saying how the movies hit it out of the park. I think... I mean, they really do in the first scene in that first X-Men movie yeah. when, you know, uh, when they're in the hallway and Charles comes wheeling out and they have that conversation. He's like, you know, you're up in here, Charles. What are you looking for? Hope, Eric. I'm looking for hope. Yeah. Oh, so good. It's and a they, beautiful. Because they imply that these two knew each other for so long and that was like the breaking point final straw yeah. right there. Let me tell you something. First Class is cool. That Magneto movie would have been great because it was just all about it was basically all the good stuff from first class between or between Eric and Charles. But imagine that Eric and Charles hunted Nazis the whole movie. <laughs> yeah, we got a twofer. We, we got a twofer one, and we also got Michael Ironside launching missiles at a beach at the end. For me, that's the laziest casting ever. Michael Ironside is so good, but it feels like they, they, he played the same character in fucking Terminator Salvation as he did in X-Men First Class. And I had a little bit of respect for First Class until we went to the battleship, and Michael fucking Ironside's there going like, Oh no! It looks like we're going to die. I'm like, how lazy is this? out of nowhere. It's a, look, it's a badass general that you have to take seriously, but we don't have time to establish his character, so we'll just put out Michael Ironside in his place so that you immediately associate him with every character he's played so that we don't yep. have to actually make a character here. That's <laughs> my, lazy and stupid. My thing was like, ooh, look, Darkseid's in an X-Men movie. <laughs> I just, what the, what, ugh, that frustrates me to no end. Like, that, the, that Batman-Superman uh, apocalypse movie was ruined. With yeah. by by casting Kevin Conroy and Tim Daly and, and not, not Michael Ironsides. You got Ed Asner to be Granny Goodness again, but you got the fucking Allstate guy to play to Darkside. Dark they didn't, by the way, get Allstate. They got like uh, he's terrible. He played the awful general in Fantastic Four: Rise of the Silver Surfer. That's we talked about this during our DC animation one, and I will stand by what I said in that episode. Still not the worst Darkside. The worst Darkside was the Justice League War Darkside. Oh, that's right, and I still haven't seen Justice League War. It's it's terrible. He just talks like this. I'm Darkside, the Lord of Apocalypse. I'm like, no, no, no. no. You don't give Darkseid a monster voice. No. The thing is, he looks like a monster, but he talks like a man. Yeah, he should be erudite and. But have this like, he everything he says should be freaking awesome. It's, I'm a great many things, Kal-El, but on Apocalypse, I am God. Yeah. God, that's an amazing line, Reed. So perfect. And he's, I remember watching that Saturday morning and basically like with my cereal in hand, being like, "That's hardcore." Yeah, I remember being like, "What is happening?" 
Uh, yeah. They also, by the way, cast an amazing Mongol. I always want to give Mongol's line from what do you from for the man who was everything to Darkseid, but no, Mongol also was brilliantly cast and had that line where it says, "Happy birthday, Kryptonian! I give you oblivion." And that's you're like, funny. "Oh, that's only Alan Moore could have written that." It's true, man. That that one gets adapted a lot. The for the man who has everything story, just because it's such a great one and done. It's perfect. It's a perfect one and done, and it's like they did it for freaking Supergirl, which I was like, "Wow!" Yeah, uh, I think they called it for the girl who's everything, and you're like, the, right. the, "They did it again in Green Arrow." No, and they did. They did it again. Or no, it was Green Lantern. They did it again when Jeff John started, and Green Arrow came into it, and they got hit with the same parasite, and then we got to see what their greatest wish was. I don't care about that. <laughs> well, Green Arrow was was cool. Green Arrow was like, you know, I wish I wish all my family could come together. I wish, you know, uh, Connor and uh, Black Canary oh. and Speedy. I wish we could all live together and be happy. And all the horrible stuff that's happened wouldn't have happened to us. That's fair. I mean, I get that's that. But and Hal's, of course, is I wish my dad was still alive and I wish we could be pilots together and everything. <laughs> yeah. All right, you sold me. It's it's a, it's a beautiful and again also a one and done. Yeah, that's. I miss those, but you can't you can't collect them in trades and sell them that way. No, no, you can't. Uh, also, my video just caught up, so I see there's a cat now. <laughs> I have a cat now. Uh, <laughs> uh, Martin Townsend brought up a great, a great one that I didn't have on my list, which is Batman and Alfred. But yeah. I don't know if it's a bromance as much as that's a... That's more of a, a father-son relationship. It's a surrogate father thing, which we could also do another episode of. That would be another... Because there's a couple I want to say, like Damien and Dick Grace, and that's more of a big brother-little brother relationship. Spider-Man Tony Stark. That's another Spider one. That's another mentor-mentee relationship. Uh, while we're on the subject of Spider-Man, the chat also mentioned Flash Thompson, Peter Parker. Yes. Uh, I am really, really sad they haven't... That, like, as soon as they made both Venom and Flash Thompson interesting, no, yeah. they took him away from the Spider-Family. They blasted him off into space, and it doesn't look like they're going to be bringing him he's back. Like, he's, like, uh, he's like Indiana Jones when, when, uh, when Henry Jones Sr. is like, you left just when you were becoming interesting. <laughs> Like, yeah, they, they they left Flash Thompson. They gave up on him being like his own Venom and being a cool character way too easily, I think, yeah. before making him join the Guardians. I think they should have kept going with that. I agree. I mean, like, Rick Remender was doing uh, Agent Venom. Yeah. Uh, it, that was the best iteration of Venom since Eddie Brock. It was. Like, uh, and it's funny to say that because Eddie Brock's Venom was so stupid. It is. And looking back now, he looks even more stupid when you look back at it. It, it really doesn't work like that awful uh, Matt Gargan era of Venom. Mm. Where he's just like it, nothing encapsulates the Venom Matt Gargan era more than when he became Venom uh, in Marvel Knight Spider-Man, where uh, he's Matt Gargan was supposed to become like a new Scorpion, but he steals the Venom symbiote instead and disrupts Green Goblin's plans. Yeah. And Green Goblin's like dressing him down while they're fighting Spider-Man. He goes, no, Norman, you see, the way I see it, it's actually kind of better because now I can be even more powerful for you. And it's just like him justifying being Venom. He has to sell himself to the reader and... Uh, <laughs> and he doesn't. Norman. And I'm like, no, he did for a lot of people. But, like, him actually eating people, I'm like, shh, get the fuck out of here. This is so stupid. <laughs> eat, that, that's basically all he did. He just ate people all over the place and threatened to eat people when well, he that, wasn't eating Venom people. always threatened to eat people. It's just that he didn't because it was the 90s and he had to be full of hollow threats. <laughs> like oh, Wolverine oh. being like, I'll cut you with my adamantium claws because uh, I won't because it's yeah. Fox. 
the chat had a really good one. I was talking about co-ed bromances. Yeah. Max and Terry McGinnis from Batman Beyond. That's one of the best bromances on the Batman animated series. It's so great. Uh, it is. And you know, it's funny. Uh, I remember lit reading in the commentaries or listening in the commentaries. Some of the writers wanted Max and Terry to become an item yep. after he finally broke up with, uh, with Max. Yeah, with Dana. Yeah, thank you. And Paul Dini got so angry and so sense. incensed at that that he, like, left the room. Yeah. Well, that was supposed to be the end. It was. The end was that Dana breaks up with him for the umpteenth time. You know it's not going to work out. And then he talks to Max and then, like, cries on her shoulder. And then they hook up. Yeah. And Paul Dini's like, no! <laughs> no, that's, that, that, it's like, she's one of the guys. She's his best friend. You can't do that. Yeah. And it's like, mm, for me, honestly, I was like, no, I think that would actually work really well. Uh, I, I, I'm more on Team Dini on this one. If you make her just another girlfriend and just another love interest, I think that's, you know. That's the thing is that you, like, because her character is so strong, like, the story potential from that is so great that she would be like, I'm not your I'm not like just your girlfriend. Like, yeah. I'll sleep with you because you're hot, and I think that's mm. cool, and I like you as a person. Like, we and also Cree Summers with pink hair. Thank you. Yeah, uh, but like, but I think she would have refused to allow herself to become just another girlfriend or a damsel mm. in distress. I think she would have immediately, like, she would have been like, there would have been a scene where I think there actually have been scenes where Terry shows up at the Batcave and and Max is like, sup. Like, yeah. Max like, no, 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 I know who you are. I called Wayne, and Wayne's on board. He is not against putting children in costumes. It's true, and also the bit where she's like, no, hey, I'm putting on the Robin costume. Put, he's like, okay, Alfred. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, Alfred, I love that bit. It's like, okay, fine, then you're my Alfred. Yeah, and she's like, I don't know who that is. You're making a very, very specific inside joke. <laughs> That's like the other bit when, uh, when Bruce gives Terry a suit to put on, and he's like, who's DG? Aww. <laughs> this idea and also kind of creepy to us like oh so you're dressing terry the new boy in the clothes that belong to the old boy dick grayson what a waste we don't get dick grayson in batman beyond until the comics yeah we got in kyle higgins comic and it was perfect that's totally what should have happened to them in their relationship we got one line from return of the joker where she says you should look up nightwing has he got stories yeah that's he got the stories. end no more Heck, I, I love in that comic, Dick starts mentoring uh, Terry because he had a falling out with Bruce, and I like that they're almost being a better team. Yeah, I think that's really cool. Because he's like, yeah, you know what, I, I used to be where you are, kid. I understand. I know yeah. what it's like. I know what it's like to be raised by a, by that asshole. <laughs> yeah, by that asshole. I love in the future, everyone's just like, Batman. Yeah, but you know what's funny? I really love Epilogue, where Terry's like, where Terry has the same, he, he where we finally, for me, they break the cycle. Where the cycle of, like, because they even reinforce it where they're like, uh, Dean Stockwell's Tim Drake and Return of the Joker's like, in the end, none of it was good enough for the old man. It's like, yeah. Barbara quit, uh, Tim quit, Dick quit. Like, everybody quit and abandoned the old man. Selena mm -hmm. quit and left. Like, but, yeah. but uh, in epilogue... You know, Terry's like going down the same path where he's like, oh, you betrayed me. And he's, I don't He's at his breaking point. Yeah. And Batman's like, you don't like none of you have the heart for the mission. That's the lesson yeah. here. You, you don't know what you want. None of them did. Oh, you stupid kid. Uh, yeah. But like, so perfect, man. But then for, at the end, like after talking to Waller, he gets perspective and he's like, she's like, no, like being Batman isn't the thing that sucks. It's being an asshole. Yeah. And if you just like take care of the people who love you and be and Batman, don't be an asshole, yeah. And she and he's like, oh, like just because I'm Batman doesn't mean I have to be alone and a dick. 
Yeah, he learns that not only can I be Batman, but I can be a better Batman than Bruce was. That's actually Max Landis' approach to Dick Grayson. He's like, it's true. he thinks that he would be a better Batman. Because he's like, look, like, imagine, you know, we got this guy who was born from trauma who focused himself and became this, like, this mentor. And then, like, in year two of his mission, he takes in a child and raises that child from yeah. trauma. What is What kind of product does that make? And it's like kind of neat that 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 approach of, of of who dick grayson is by virtue of him being raised mm. by bruce wayne but having a having a past that is different from bruce wayne i don't and, uh, I, I don't know if you've been reading batman and robin eternal but that's literally what they've been tackling in that story oh, well, that's too. really cool <laughs> you, you should read it. it's actually great because you have a villain mother who is going around creating perfect child soldiers and saying hey is there anything too different from what i do and what batman does with all the robins exactly it's it's a it's great to see this villain kind of be a dark mirror inverse of Batman as a parent. Yeah, yeah, I like that. I like that approach. I like that interest. Like, I think it's a cool concept. I want to see more of that addressed. But I'm glad it's being addressed in Batman and Robin Eternal. That's really cool. It's a, it's it's going to be over soon. It's just I think it's the penultimate issue. Yes. this week. Yeah, it's yeah, the penultimate done. issue. I know that they were also like, no, like you don't understand. We're not going to waste. We're not going to have like entire arcs that you can skip. Like we did with the first series. <laughs> yes, that's everyone was important. Every issue was, yeah. Because there were, like, that's why I dropped it. I was like, there are swaths that I don't need. They spun their wheels for a while in that book. It ended strong, but they spun their wheels. Yeah, exactly. Ooh, ooh, that's a that's a good one there, chat. Gordon Bullock. Oh, Gordon and Bullock, how cool. And in any iteration, you got the Earth-1 version, which is really cool. You have the classic version, you got the animated version. In any world, except for the, the movies... Uh, Gordon and Bullock are great. The, the animated version for me, those are the perfect voices for Gordon and Bullock. Yes, they are. I'm sad we've lost the original James Gordon and we won't oh, have him uh, because he is the voice of Gordon. It makes me sad every time even, I hear it. Even in that him. crappy Gotham TV show, one of the only things they get right is that OC guy and Donald Logue actually do really well together. It's true. Uh, that's a great bromance. It's a partnership. It's, it, it's it is. Two, it, it's two soldiers on a war against, like, insurmountable odds and you know and it's always like you know th they kind of complete each other where it's like bullock will go and do what gordon can't do and vice versa it's true uh and also on that same level you also have matt murdoch and foggy nelson ah yeah there's another yeah very similar you know yep two two guys who it's more like a marriage honestly it is really a marriage. no those two are, are are a married couple those two, like it's not quite as uh, strong or as reinforced in the show, but I think we're getting there. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, comic Matt and Fog, it's like they have been together through thick and thin, through everything. Yeah, they've been through everything. Uh, Foggy was stabbed almost to death by Electra, for God's sake. Like, we've. Mm -hmm. they've and been then through. stabbed again in jail while visiting Matt. Yeah. <laughs> And he gets stabbed a lot hanging out with Matt. Yeah, it was Matt. Matt Murdock is is like a bad luck charm. <laughs> yes, he is. He is. I, I I believe if Faust was here, he would say he's a hot mess. That Matt he, Murdock. He sure is. Um. So yeah, with the, I mean, like you know, there's a lot of honorary mentions or a lot that we didn't get to. Batman and Superman is a big one. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously we did the whole DC thing. Honestly, you know, can you even really count them as friends and bros anymore I mean, when the, the entire, like, when the entire New 52 has gone out of their way to break them up and make them really aggro on one another? That's the thing. When they, first were when they first were invented to live in the same universe together... Well, I'll, I'll just talk. Uh, well, when, when they were first brought up to be in the same universe together, uh, you have this world where... 
Of course they make friends. They're, they're friends. We're superheroes, chum. Yes, that, that point for sure. I don't know if you could hear, but it was pissing rain out where I was. No. So I had to go shut the window. <laughs> no, you just, you just left. I was like, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're not bros anymore. I disagree with this point you're making. Exactly. On no, I was like, well, I'll just, I'll just keep going. No, the, in, the, in the olden days, in the world's finest days, like we're, we're both superheroes. So, of course, we're friends and we're best friends because we both are the biggest superheroes. But like uh, after Crisis on Infinite Earths, uh, they established they were friends. In Crisis, they were like, maybe in, one, in another reality, we could have been friends. But then mm. they quickly be, do become friends to the point where, like, uh, you know, everybody always points to the pre-New 52 Jeff Loeb Hush series where um, Batman fights Superman who's being possessed mm. by Poison Ivy. And yep. he has that monologue where he's like, at the end of the day, Clark is essentially a good person. And me, I'm not. And he punches yeah. him. And you're like, no. First of all, Come on. Batman's not a bad person. Second of all, no, he's not. Uh, the, 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 for me, there's this great story where Superman is being poisoned to death by kryptonite. And he call, and Lois is taken. And Superman is dying and he calls Bruce. And Bruce is like, you're, you're like, okay, uh, if I'm going to take on this, this mission of finding Lois, you know, we have to call her the victim. Like we can't call her by name mm -hmm. because I don't do that. I don't use names until the case is closed. Uh, you know, it's, it's just, it, it was pre, it was almost like a really, really great ground uh, starting point for Batman Superman, the series. Totally. Um, but it was a really, really cool like pairing. And I liked this idea that they're colleagues who understand each other on a really f profound level. Definitely. We don't get that in New 52. In New 52, they're like, but what if they fought? It's it's always what if they fought, and it's always like my super dick is bigger. No, my yeah, super dick like, is bigger. You know what? Like the fact is, you only need one fight. You yeah. only need the Dark Knight Returns fight. Because here's That's fine. here's That's the thing. Funny. Everybody's like Batman beats Superman. No, the Batman Dark Knight Returns versus Superman fight is Superman holds back because he cares about this man. Yeah. They are friends. They grew up together, or at least they 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 became brothers in arms together. Mm -hmm. Uh, when they fight. It is a begrudging battle. Mm. Batman oh, totally. does not want to kill Superman. He doesn't, and he thinks he can, but he does. He 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 pulls out all the stops, but one. He doesn't kill Superman, and he doesn't try to. And neither does Superman try to kill Batman. Ba like Superman is just like I don't want to fight you, but they're telling me I gotta. And like I just by pushing Batman out of the way, he hurts Batman just by oh, getting oh, him. Oh, oh. Also, <laughs> Green Arrow helped in that fight, too, which no one ever mentioned. The fact is, like, Batman wouldn't win without his help. It even mm -hmm. is, They even bring it up in Hush, where, like, Catwoman's like, you're a loner, but you sure have a lot of baggage. Yeah, really. Like, you have totally. a lot of allies in your one-man war against crime. Yeah, in your Bat family yeah. so big it has a name. Exactly. And, like, if you wanted to make Batman grim and gritty, by the way, in the New 52, death of the family was the way to do that. You kill or destroy the Bat family for real, though, and then make him a loner, which they didn't do. Yeah, <laughs> but they, uh, they got cold feet. Yeah. Uh, I was rereading Quiver the other day, just you know, because I like Green Arrow and everything. Yeah. And there's that bit at the beginning where it's Batman and Superman standing on top of the Daily Planet, and the sun's being blocked out by parallax and yep. everything. And Superman's like, "I'm cold," and he's like, "Yeah, welcome, welcome to feeling human, man." Yeah. And, th and then what does Batman do? He gives him a heating pad. Here you go. Yeah. They're friends.
Yeah. They were anyway. New 52 is just one like, what if they fought? And the fact is, like, the Dark Knight Returns fight is Superman would win in a fight, but Superman might hold back. And mm. so would Batman. That's the thing. Both of them hold back. Batman has a solid, I don't kill policy. Superman has a looser, I try not to kill policy. It's funny people say that. You know, they're like, Superman doesn't kill. And it's like, he has before. It's just that he'd rather not. Like, Batman's the one with the code. Superman will do whatever it takes to get the job done right. To do the right thing. If that also includes killing his adversary, he might do it. Whereas Batman will die before he lets someone die. No. Like, that's how you... That's how Batman will lose. And it's Batman versus Superman fight. Um... But is it fun to see them punch? Sure. It's why I've got a kind of issue with the movie. Because sure. with the movie, they're like, we're using Dark Knight Returns. Without the, I don't know, let's Context. call it 20 years of friendship behind it, the fight is hollow. Absolutely. That this is them meeting for the first time and they're going to fight. Like, yeah, it seems like an improper reading where it's like, no, 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 no. This was in a dark dystopian future, a world gone mad. Two guys who had been friends forever are forced by circumstance to battle each exactly. other. Just having them fight because like, I don't like you. Yeah. I mean, the they, they're justifying it. So it works. But but by taking the Dark Knight Returns parallels and trying to fit them into what their narrative is. It, it, it doesn't and to build a universe off the back of it. It kind of doesn't, it, it doesn't feel as authentic as it should. That said, I'm sure it'll be cool. I'm looking forward to my, seeing it next my, week. My favorite line from that trailer where he's like, no, if there's even, if there's even a 1% chance <laughs> that he can't be trusted, then we have to do everything to stop him. Like you sound like a violent paranoid Becker. Was. I really like that though. That for me is like, is the worst period in Batman say, if there's even a 1% chance and I love Ben Affleck's portrayal because he's basically like he probably called Kevin Smith and he's like what's Batman like what would he be like in this line he's like, oh he would be manic <laughs> it's, it's the best worst Batman possible I agree exactly it's kind of Batman that's pushed to the point where he like it's almost like we're in a it's like uh, it's like we're, we're uh, it's like Dark Knight Returns if he'd never retired yeah like I want to retire, but I know I can't. So I just have to keep beating these people. Like, that's why he's vicious and monstrous. Because he's like, I just should have taken a couple of years to stop. But yeah, I'm really. not. And also, we're already down a Robin and everything, too. Yeah. That said, you know what? You know what's the best? One of the best iterations of, like, Batman needs to stop? Batman Beyond. Yeah. When he's like, I reached for the gun. That's, that's a beautiful it. moment. They, that's perfect, and they do it in the first five minutes. First of that five minutes, show. he's like, "I went for the gun. I I saw what I had to become to defeat men like him, and I didn't want it." Yeah, I was like, "No, never again." I'm like, "Ah, oh, perfect." It it is beautiful. I always love it when they have this idea of you know Batman versus the idea of the gun. Yes, I love that. That that, that for me, that is Batman. It is, totally. But, you, know, whatever. you know who wrote a great story about that? Tim Seeley and Grayson, when Grayson basically had a whole issue based around gun violence and being part of this spy group. And obviously, Dick Grayson, because he was taught by Batman, Doesn't comes into... 
yet doesn't use them and comes into this spy group with this anti-gun thing only for his spy buddies to be like you will get fucking murdered out there <laughs> if you don't use a gun yeah and like and the lady who he's sleeping with at the time who's like an expert marks woman she's like look a gun is a tool it's only about like you know whose hands it in and like he keeps flashing back to stuff batman told him and stuff that this lady's telling him now and it's this beautiful kind of story of like growing up and be like you know maybe everything dad didn't tell me was right but maybe he got enough right though it's true uh i could see grayson being like no you gotta use a gun sometimes like well it's like uh batman earth one alfred's like if you don't use a gun you're gonna die mm-hmm <laughs> Just gonna just gonna say it. It's, speaking of alternate Earths, another great alternate Earth story where Batman and Superman were friends. I don't know if you ever read it because I don't think it was in the main Earth Two book. I think it was like in another book that they told this origin of how Earth Two Batman and Superman met each other. Uh, that was that for some reason uh, Batman and Alfred were driving along in the countryside not long after the Waynes were murdered. You know, trying trying to get away from it all, trying to get away from the city and the paparazzi and everything, and they blow a tire oh, right yeah. outside. Yeah, and they blow a tire outside Kent Farm. Oh, that's not an alternate thing. I think that's actually like a pre, like that's like a, that's like a real thing. Like that's like. Oh, so, a, oh, so they updated it for the new Fifty Two. Yeah, I think that was actually done by Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale. Oh, nice. Like, I well, think they a, actually did that. Oh, it's an amazing bit then it because is. then because then like little Bruce and little Clark hang out and they play baseball, the the great American pastime, you know. And Bruce works through his issues and they become friends and everything. And I'm like, see, that's a beautiful touch. Yep. That's something we lose yeah. in the new Fifty Two that they had to put it over in Earth Two where things are nicer. Yeah, it's perfect. That that is great because it's like it, it's a period in time where Bruce Wayne was a child and he needed a friend. Yeah. And he might not even remember it ever happening, but like his soul will have this point where another peer was nice to him. Yeah, for like, real. That's and of course it has to be Clark Kent. Like that's perfect because Clark Just Kent Just who better? Because Superman is everybody's friend. Or at yes. least he used to be. <laughs> Used to be, yeah. I mean, I mean he, 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 it's like uh, you know, Gamera, friends to children everywhere. Superman, friends to children everywhere. Well, and again, like I hate saying, I hate invoking this man's name because if you say it three times, he'll show up. But like Max Landis's uh, pitch for a reboot of the death of Superman. I like that where you know he gets all hurt and, and then, then he goes you know, to bat- the Kent farm. And he teaches, like, you know what, Superman, I'm going to teach you how to fight. I'm going to teach you martial arts and everything. He teaches them how to fight, and they both see each other's perspective. Like, Bruce Wayne, like, on the Kent farm for six months, seeing how Clark was raised and seeing all the things he went through in order to become a man was like, in another world, like, this, like I could see myself doing this. Or, like, in another, like I can understand that person better because I see how he grew up. Yeah, and I respect totally. him more as a result. Like, and ba- and and the in through the training, Clark being like, "This guy is all about the mission," and it's from his like cold, stoic, rich existence. And it's like, yeah, yeah, like you know what? Like, I could see myself being as driven as him if all I had was my butler. <laughs> It's also kind of a nice 1% versus the 99% <clears throat> thing where Bruce is definitely part of one and Clark is like his parents were his parents were farmers. He's the ultimate salt of the earth kind of guy. Yeah, it's true. Like he yeah. couldn't get more salt of the earth if he tried. <laughs> yeah, no. The, uh, the the other bit I really like and again to bring it back to the Justice League cartoon uh in that great episode uh Oh, what what was it called? Uh, it, it was when they think Superman was dead, but only he was just blasted into the future. Oh, the the, the you mean the cartoon? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it was meets. yeah. It was per- they were toy man sent him into uh 
into the, the future. In, into the far-flung future where he meets Vandal Savage, who is, of course, still alive. But it's when it's when Bruce visits his grave late at night, when the whole funeral's over, when everyone else is gone. He refuses to admit he's dead. Everyone's like, no, Bruce, you, you got to come to terms with this, buddy. He's gone. And he's like, no, 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 you, you can't destroy matter. You can only change it. He's out there somewhere. Yeah. And everyone's like, oh, great. He's, he's gone nuts, guys. And he visits the grave late at night. And, he, and he's come to terms with it, and he's, like, putting his hand on the grave, and he's like, you know, you showed me justice didn't have to come from the darkness. Yeah. Ugh, perfect. Touching moment. Touching beautiful moment. moment. Hereafter, big... thank you, Chad. Hereafter was what it was called. Yes. Uh, so there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Some comic book bromances for you. Some of our favorite picks, some of our opinions on a few. We touched on a couple. We went into depth with others. But at the end of the day, I, I, I love the element of the bromance in comic totally. books. I love the, And I love when, when, when creators can either define it or redefine it. Or, or, or show us a pairing we've never seen before. Yeah, I mean, that, that's the thing about bromance is that, you know, the, there'll be future great bromances to be seen, no it's doubt. It's true, I can't wait. Uh, so, there you have it. What's happening on Cape Joel that everybody can look forward to seeing this next week? Uh, well, you know, it, it's funny. I've uh, got, I picked up some great work-for-hire gigs in the writing department, so my turnout is going to be a little slower on my own channel, but don't be surprised if you see some stuff from me on other channels <laughs> out nice. there in the near future. Uh, if you go to my... Oh, excuse me. If you go to my channel now... You can find the very short, very sad new episode of the comic multiverse. That was the one that I know I've been talking about that we lost. So it's literally 10 minutes, the first five, me and Matt just explaining that we're sorry that we lost it. <laughs> and then the last five minutes are the five minutes that we managed to save, which was literally just the preamble before we actually got to the show. No. So, but yeah, you can listen to that if you want. It's it's kind of entertaining. And it was a great show, too, we lost. We talked for an hour and 40, and we were just on fire. We were firing on all cylinders. It was That was a tragedy. But we think on the weekend, after we've both seen the first new episode of Daredevil Season 2, we might we might have a makeup show where we just talk about that, so people can look forward to that on the weekend. It's a good idea. Uh, also, 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 probably later when I'm done, I would have edited it earlier, but I didn't have a chance to. International Iron Man number one. Come to my channel later tonight, and you can find that nice uh, i recommended that on off the rack hopefully it's good <laughs> it's interesting it's very strange it's totally the opposite of what bendis is doing in the main iron man good. Book. it should be it's a malieve bendis teaming I, I would hope to see something as good as what they did on daredevil i know it's a hell of a pedigree right yeah yeah speaking of daredevil since daredevil's coming out what on friday yeah, on the 18th, yeah. Uh, we're doing a back issues on a Daredevil story. This one is a Kevin Smith book known Guardian as Devil. Daredevil Guardian Devil. Uh, somebody gave me a hard time. They were like, oh, you picked a Kevin Smith Daredevil and not like a Punisher Electra? I'm like, yeah, I did. Eat it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like this story. I think it's really cool. Ben and Ethan have huge reactions to this one, and uh, it'll that's, come that's out. That's the one with the Antichrist. That's and the, the one with the Antichrist. And, and, and the possible HIV and stuff. Yes. Uh, huge reactions, huge moments. It's really cool. It's it's pretty out there. It's pretty out there. It's a lot of fun, and it's like, it came out in like 98, you know? It was in, uh, or, or 2000, I don't remember. It was really, really early in Marvel's like, Fishing itself out of the toilet. Period. With Mar with Marvel Knights, thanks to Casada and or not Casada, but thanks yeah. to yeah, uh, Casada, Bill Jemis, and uh, Palmiotti, yeah, Palmiotti, Palmiotti actually, yeah, worked on that book too. Uh, but yeah, we got that back issues coming out. This episode will be available on Friday. Uh, we also have our crossover episode with Comic Book Club, which is out now on our channel. And it's... if you go to DC Fans Channel, you will check out our episode of American Alien Number Five, written by Max Landis, who is probably the best Superman writer out today. 
probably yeah. that's the best Superman book being written today. I will fight anybody who argues with me. And, and you know what? And we've gotten two great ones between that and Lois and Clark. You Lois got Clark two really great. amazing ones. So it's like, it's hard for me to pick. I want American Alien to be a new universe. Like, I Maybe. want to see what comes out of that. The Landis verse? Yeah. I think he y should do y that. You know he would be okay with that. Oh, well, <laughs> yes. <laughs> but uh, go check it out if you haven't already. Pick it up. It's a really, really great book. And uh, we'll see you guys on this channel in the near future with more stuff uh, from here on Elseworlds Exchange. Thanks so much for watching, everybody. And thank you, Joel, for joining me as always on this show. Oh, it's always a pleasure. It's one of my favorite things to do in the week. The fan reaction is so nice and so strong. Seriously, I, this is it's always a the, pleasure. This is one of the best uh, fan reactions. I love being on this show. People are always just like, oh, I like this show, even when they don't like it. They're like, well, yeah, I like you guys. <laughs> we, we probably get more compliments from people that we work with and our contemporaries for this show than we do just about anything else. I know Rob was complimenting us the other day it's like oh yeah i like the elseworld exchange i like to put that on in the background when i'm editing and yeah, i'm like, oh, like that's, thank that's you very much, Rob. <laughs> and you know what just for that go to comics explained if you haven't already and check out his great stuff we'll see you guys next week with an all new episode thanks a lot and uh that's all peace out <laughs>